Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Yale Global Online is the flagship publication of the Yale Center for the Study of Globalization and explores the implications of the world's growing interconnectedness through people, products, and ideas. Wanted. Equal Opportunity Globalization. Populists blame Asia's high growth rates for economic woes rather than policies that reinforce inequality at home. The Yale Global article is by Branko Milanovic and read by Hera Jaffrey. The rise and electoral success of populist politicians in the West have reopened questions on the effects of globalization. In simplest terms, are uneven distributional effects of globalization to blame for widespread dissatisfaction in wealthy countries, or does the fault lie with domestic policies? The responses to these questions will shape globalization of this century and could offer remedies for popular discontent. First, the facts. There is no doubt that the growth rates of the bottom halves of income distribution for rich countries have been low over the past 25 years. This stands in contrast to the high growth rates of the so-called top one percenters and Asian middle classes. The Asian middle classes are poorer than the Western middle class, but compete with Western workers for jobs. Broadly, the average income growth of a median household in Asia was about four times as high as one in the West. Perhaps such a difference in outcomes would not have mattered so much to the Western middle classes if slow growth rates had been shared in each nation, but that was not the case. Those with yet higher incomes in the West, the famous top 1%, enjoyed even higher growth rates during the past 25 years. The middle class of the rich world thus found itself squeezed between the poorer, but fast-growing Asian middle and the much richer and also fast-growing domestic top 1%. Many blamed globalization. So how to apportion the blame? While the facts are incontrovertible, the causes are not. There are three possible explanations for the uneven growth. Technological change driving productivity up among highly skilled workers compared to the low-skilled, globalization-making Western workers, uncompetitive in comparison to Asians, or policies that favored the rich through tax cuts. A policy response to popular anger over globalization depends on the principal cause. If technological change is the cause, there is little governments can do other than compensate the losers. They cannot order technological change to be of one kind and not another. If it is globalization, then governments can take steps to reverse the process in some segments by limiting openness to trade or free movement of capital. If the problem is economic policy, then governments are the lead culprit. The three factors cannot be analytically separated. The exercise is futile. Technological change and globalization go hand in hand. Researchers cannot measure inequality as if there had been no globalization, while technological progress went on as before. Technological progress responds to incentives and what globalization offers. Innovations are embodied in new products and services, like new laptops or smartphones, and how these are produced depend on globalization. If labor costs were higher, If U.S. producers could not rely on low-cost foreign supply chains, then some high-tech machines may not exist at all. These include assembly robots in manufacturing, 
precision GPS chemical applicators for the agriculture industry, or automated long-wall shearers in the mining industry. Producers and consumers would have simpler machines and goods. Moreover, the products themselves push new ways of technological progress in specific directions. If the iPhone was not relatively affordable for 3 billion customers, there would be little commercial interest in creating new applications. There would be no Uber or growing gig economy that relies on it. Widespread technology was made possible not just by technological progress in Silicon Valley, but also the ability to outsource production to low-wage locations. That, in turn, fed into new technological advances. For Uber is little more than the old-fashioned gypsy cab, glorified with new technology and magnified to the global scale. Likewise, economic policy cannot be meaningfully separated. The principal reason why tax rates were reduced is due to mobility of capital and highly paid individuals. That mobility is made possible by globalization, with funds easily moved around the world, and by technology that allows individuals to work remotely, sometimes thousands of miles from what would have been their workplace in the old-fashioned world. For these reasons, distributional outcomes must be regarded as the products of interrelated forces of all three phenomena technology, globalization, and economic policy. Solutions are not easy. A basic contradiction of the age of globalization is that economic outcomes for increasing numbers of people are determined at the global level, while political action takes place within nation-states. National governments are put in the position of doing mop-up operations for whatever category of workers is hurt by lower wages or layoffs that may be due to new ways of making goods or rendering services invented in China, India, United States, or elsewhere. It can be argued that this has always been the case. British competition destroyed Indian textiles in the late 19th century. What is new, however, is the scale of such globally driven changes that can emanate from any part of the globe and spread much more rapidly than in the past. Middle classes went along with globalization as long as they anticipated tangible benefits or as long as the numbers of the disaffected were too small to be a credible political force. But that has changed, as demonstrated by Britain's vote to withdraw from the European Union and the U.S. election of Donald Trump. What are the governments to do, short of trying to reverse parts of today's globalization and in the process shrinking their own growth rates as well as those of emerging market economies? There are better solutions. Remedies for reduced inequality of the 20th century won't work in the 21st century. The old remedies included mass education, large unionized labor, and tax and spend policies. All of these have reached their limits. A more promising avenue for dealing with inequality in rich countries is to reduce inequality in human and financial capital endowments. This implies, first, reversing the extraordinary high concentration of capital assets by giving the middle classes fiscal and other incentives to invest and own assets, and second, equalizing access to high-quality education, which is increasingly monopolized by the rich. If inequality at the pre-distribution stage is less, then the government's redistributive role can be smaller. Such nations can be more agile in global competition because they won't have to fret whether the political consensus behind such policies may collapse at any point. 
The policy can be summarized under the title of Globalization with Equalization of Domestic Opportunities. Branko Milanovic is an economist with a graduate center, City University of New York, and Luxembourg Income Study. He is the author of Global Inequality, a new approach for the age of globalization. This and other Yale Global articles can be found at yaleglobal.yale.edu.